<laughs> no, it's this is this is awesome. Um, just to be here and to be a part of this and just to see the the fruit, you know, uh, it reminds me. Uh, I'm going to be kind of I'm the smiling prophet, but I'm also the weeping prophet. Because, you know, the Lord, when he, he fills you with his life, it just, it's just so moving. Amen? Because you're feeling the compassion of the Father, right? In his life. But um, I remember I was on my way, I was invited to, a, uh, to preach at a church in Centerville, Michigan. Um, a pastor had gotten, uh, met the Lord, gotten saved in our church, country church in Florida. And uh, we were—we actually had a tent meeting, a tent up. How many of you have ever been to a tent revival? So we had a tent revival going, and he actually came across the street from this little uh, grocery store called the Winn-Dixie. He was a butcher there, and he came with his family. He had his meat coat on, and he came up under that tent, and they all met Jesus. Amen. So fast forward years later, I mean, he was like, he was like, man, he would just, just right out of the chute. He was just on fire, hungry to receive everything that God, you know, wanted to pour into him. And he's still that way. But fast forward years later, he has a church in, in Centerville, Michigan that has about 600 in the congregation, you know, and he invited me to, to come and preach. And uh, I went and on my way, I felt like the Lord says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen? I mean, you know, God knows how to speak a word, real word of encouragement to your heart. Especially, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're kind of by yourself. You're, and this church we pastored, it was just a little country church. You know, the, the town was like 5,000 people, and the church was on a washboard road. You know, it's like seven years of this. And me and my wife saying, why are we doing that? It's the Lord. Amen. I mean, you know, Jesus, I mean, people, you know, they don't understand why you do what you do. Amen. But it's just like you're just following the Lord. And there's, there's, there's things, I mean, you know, God is at work. He is always working. Just like I said, he, he never stops working. Amen. And he wants, he's working through each and every one of you. Amen? And so never think that your, their, your labor is in vain in the Lord. I just want to speak that. I don't know who that's for, but uh, there's a lot being done, you know, uh, more than we realize at times. And so I look at this, I'm going, wow, what a mighty God we serve. This just blows me away. And uh, I really, um, and I've shared this, I think, with Greg, but I really had a word about this uh, event here, and it was, it's not a word of hype or anything, it's just a word that I felt like the Lord gave me, and, and the word was historic. I felt like this was a historic event, okay? And uh, so I looked up the word historic, and it says extraordinary, important, memorable, significant. Historic is a significant event that will have an impact and will be remembered. So don't just think this is just another meeting, right? 
because I really feel like this is from the Lord. And so it reminded me of another historic event in Acts 2, 1 through 2, right? And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And I feel like that sound from heaven, this is what I feel like that sound from heaven is, is the word of the promise of life from the Father. That's the sound from heaven. That's the sound they heard. And that's the word they received. And guess what? They were all filled with the promise of life. Amen? And so... It's awesome. I just I feel like we just need to um, embrace that word, right? And so when we were singing the, that song, uh, Graves in the Gardens, you know, it just began to really touch my heart. It does every time, just about, because it's really a reflection of where I've been and where I'm at now, right? Because I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Men's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. Yeah. yeah, excuse me. If I if I get my wife's used to this, it's like she says, "Are you through talking?" No, I'm just choking up. Okay. She's like, "Come on, come on, get it out." It's a very emotional thing, right? He says, every desire is now satisfied here in your love. That's so awesome. You know, you never know. You've got so much. God uploads so much in you. And you say, it's like a Chinese buffet sometimes where you start, you know? It's like there's so much, right? And you say, okay, we're, we're just going to start. We're going to open up our mouth and start, right? And so that song touched my heart, and I, it reminded me of, the, and I was going to share it uh, real quick, my testimony. Because it was a real encounter with the Lord, I, I never grew up in church, okay? And so typical teenage years of doing what teenagers do, you know? And even in Idaho, in a rural community, you can still do a lot of stuff you shouldn't be doing, right? <laughs> Just doing the stuff, Right? looking for life in all the wrong places. And, and, and it's a really a blessing because uh, at 17, I, I joined the Air Force and um, uh, was stationed in, of all places, Biloxi, Mississippi, and thought, I'm in hell. No, I'm just <laughs> I probably did feel that way because... It was hot, it was humid, I wasn't used to any of that. And then they had the, the paper mills going, and I thought, what is this place? And I signed up for four years, you know. But uh, from there, we went to Montgomery, Alabama, and, and how many know a Lord will just give you the gift of questions? And the question he put in my heart was, I was just at a place, and I remember, I mean, this has been almost 50 years ago, or 40-something years ago, I remember I said, what's life all about? Because this life isn't working. 
I remember that. And so, I mean, we did the routine, you know, the, the airmen would go out, the guys would go out to the bars every night and look, chasing for women, you know, and stuff. And, and just every, it was just the same old stuff. And so one night I said, you know, I said, I'm not, I'm not going out. I'm going to stay behind. And there was a Bible there, and I think it was the Gideon's Bible in the, in the dorm room that I was at. Uh, and understand, I didn't know anything about the Bible, nothing. But I was drawn to it. I opened it up to the book of John. I mean, you know, that's a great place to start when you're searching for what's life all about. And to be honest, I don't know exactly what chapter, but how many know John is filled with words of belief and words of life and the promise of life? And really listening to, to Bertie's messages uh, just recently, the promise of God's life. Man, that is such a powerful word because it's the gospel. It's the heart of the Father. And so when you say the word became flesh, to me, the promise of life became flesh, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me and you'll have life. Believe in me and you'll have life. So it says in John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so, reading, I just open up the book of John and start reading. And I'm, I'm sharing my testimony. And all I can say, I was filled with the fullness of God's life. It's like I'm feeling now. It's like God brings you full circle back, Right? And filled with his love and his life to the point where, and I was thinking about this today, to, filled to the, to the point where I didn't care if I died. Now I'm understanding what was going on. What was happening is I was being, I was being set free from all fear of death as I was filled with the fullness of his life. And I was being filled with his perfect love, which perfect love casts out all fear. And the fear of death, we know, is the root of all bondage. And so I was just like, I didn't know what was going on, but I was loving it, right? And so the next thing I heard was, and this is some of the first words I heard the Lord tell me, go call your mama. Isn't that amazing? And tell her what's going on. Because my mom had gotten saved a year before. Okay? And so I went down. Or at those days, there was no cell phone. Only the rotary dial. So I ran down, put the coins in the payphone, and called Mama. And I felt like, I felt like the Lord says, tell your mother thank, to thank the women that were praying for you. Isn't God good? See, that should encourage us that, that have family out there, 
that have people out there, friends, family, okay, do not lose hope. Continue to intercede, pray, agree with God for them because he loves them. He wants them also to be filled with the fullness of his love in life. I just love talking about the word of life, right? I mean, every time you do, it just fills you up. It just wrecks you in a good way. And so, and I, I'm just going to share this. I didn't, I didn't plan on sharing anything like this for, to start off, but this is the way it's going, right? So, my mother, uh, last April, she went to be with the Lord. And she was 84, and it was, it was suddenly, too. She wasn't, like, sick for a long period of time. And we were on our way up there to see her because they had put her in the hospital because someone checked on her and she wasn't really conscious and responding. So they took her to the hospital. Well, we drove up there as quick as we could from Myrtle Beach to see her. Well, while we were at the hotel, we, stayed, we decided to stop because it's like a 14-hour drive. We stopped and they called and she said she went to be with the Lord. I wrestle with a lot of the same things. Okay, I wish I could have been there, okay? But I knew, I knew that her life was in Christ and she was secure in Christ. And to be honest, it, it brought so much comfort in my heart because of that, right? Because I knew where she was. And also I felt like the Lord said this. He said, I'm just going to say what, I felt like he said, okay? I felt like he said, uh, she had a choice whether to stay or go. And she says, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and that's how it was, right? And so God said, come on, you know? And so, so we... There's a, and I shared this with, with, I think, Bertie the other day, but I feel like just sharing because it has to do with life. And, and, and so I actually did her funeral, okay, in Idaho, I mean in uh, Indiana, and then I drove out to Idaho. But I felt impressed to put this scripture on her burial box. I really felt impressed to put it on there for everyone to see. John eleven twenty one. Okay, or John 11 will say um, 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. And whoever lives, believes in me, shall never die. And then he said, do you believe this? Amen? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And he's the promise of life that came to us to give us life. And not just the life that now is. And how many of you experiencing the life that now is? How many know we have the promise of life and the life of the spirit of life that we enjoy? And it's an earnest and it's a guarantee of the, even a life to come. So the Bible talks about the life that now is and the life that is to come. 
which is immortality of life, which is God's promise. If we should perish, if we should go into the grave, God is faithful to raise you up and clothe you with immortality of life. And this life is nothing but a vapor compared to eternity. And I really feel this. In, in, many, in many cases, we have, we've, we've kind of put, we've made little of the resurrection. We've made too big of death and too little of the resurrection and the life of God. Amen? Too big of this temporal life and too little of the life to come, the eternal life, the immortal life. And the, and, the, and the Bible tells us to set our, our minds on things above and not on the things of this earth, right? And I really feel like the Apostle Paul, well, I know he did. He had a real mindset for immortality of life until there was no fear of death in him, right? And even the things he faced, I mean, how many know the Apostle Paul faced a lot of stuff? I was reading it in church the other day about the, I mean, he, had a, he has a resume of being chief, it uh, says, uh, I'm chief of sinners, which doesn't mean he was chief drinker, chief smoker, chief adulterer, but that he was chief at trusting his own flesh for life, right? Trusting in what he did, you know, through religious efforts and, and whatever for life. But he also had a very impressive list of things that he went through. Beaten with rods, shipwrecked, right? And it goes on and on and on, imprisoned. And yet he was so, he magnified the life of Christ. The life of Christ was so magnified in his life. And death was so minute that he called all these things he went through simply light and momentary afflictions. Are you all with me? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, that list of stuff. Read it sometimes. I mean, I don't think any of us have gone through those kind of things. But see, even early on when with, in my early walk, with the, I would open up the scriptures and, and look at, at many of these things, like the early church. They would be beaten, threatened not to preach in the name of Jesus, and yet they would leave rejoicing that they could suffer for his name. I thought, what are these people on? Right? Because that, that doesn't represent a lot of the Christians I know. I mean, we would fight over the carpet. You know what I'm saying? Whole churches would split over whatever. And, and understand, I was never raised in church, so I got introduced to church. So I had this experience with life, and then I was invited to church. And to be honest, a lot of it was, it was I had a lot of prodigal moments. Okay? I had a lot of time because, I mean, you're going into a place that, that says, okay, this is what Christ is all about. This is what God's all about. And how I many know you're receiving conflicting, you're, you're receiving mixed messages, okay? And uh, 
it really puts a lot of people in a lot of confusion, right? And how many know there's a lot of people out there today that uh, I feel like they've had encounters, really a real genuine encounter with the Lord, and then they got confused by religion. And they just, they've, they've left church, but how many know that doesn't mean they left God or that God has left them? And there was times I, I went back to some old watering holes, right? But in my heart, I knew that he had never left me and never forsaken me, right? Never. And he never will, right? And so he's always working with us. You know, he sees us. He comes to us. Just like Jesus, he was a friend of sinners, right? And, uh, but he's there because he knows. He sees our, our plight. He sees the confusion that we face. But he also sees the heart, right? He sees the heart, and he goes after us. And so this morning, I and my wife, she's going to stand up when I've got five more minutes. or I don't know how much time I've got, but. I said, stand up when I've got five minutes left. You can be my sundial. But I had a lot of things I, I wanted to share, but this morning I woke up and the Lord just began to put this on my heart in a very powerful way. He wants you to hear this, I believe. And it has to do with hiding in the faithfulness of God or being hidden in the faithfulness of God. And the Passion Translation, I know some people like it, some don't, but I love how it puts it in this, in Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. It says, Now when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity to keep the promise as sure as God exists. So he said, have no doubt, I promise to bless you over and over and give you a son and multiply you without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. It is very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves, for the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. So in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt. How I many you know God wants to end every doubt in your mind? about who he is and about what he has promised to do. He wants to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit the promise. We know what the promise is, right? The promise is eternal life, a life that will never perish. I mean, oh, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. His purpose was unchangeable, so God added his vow to the promise. So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now listen to this. And so now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. 
hidden in the faithfulness of God. I don't know about you. It's not about my faithfulness. Faith is about the faithfulness of our Father. And it's about me hiding myself in his faithfulness. Because I know he is, he is not a man that he should ever lie. Amen? It says this. This is where we find his strength. This is powerful. Hidden in the faithfulness of God is where you will find strength. How did the Apostle Paul acquire the strength? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he was hidden in the faithfulness of God. There we find strength and comfort for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. And we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. I'm telling you, I love reading scripture because it just blesses you. Amen? Especially when you see it not as a rule book or as what you promised to do for God, to, amen, promise to faithfully do for God, but it's really a promise of what he has come to do for us. Amen? It's about his faithfulness towards us. In Numbers 23, 19, it says this, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall not make it good? I love that song that we sang uh, this morning. I love the worship. Amen? Man, this worship is just like, you guys need to come to Myrtle Beach. I'm telling you, you're coming. But the song, Good, Good Father, how many of you love that song? He's a good, good father. And what, she, what you said was, he's perfect uh, in all your ways to us. That's what it says. It didn't say you're just perfect in all your ways, but you're perfect in all your ways to us. He's faithful to us. He's perfect in all his ways to us. And that Psalm 138, 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O oh Lord, endures forever. <laughs> That's so powerful. How many of you believe that, that the work that God has begun in you, he is faithful to complete it? That's what Paul said, being confident in this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We didn't begin a good work for God. We need to get this straight. He began a good work in us. And he is faithful to complete the work that he has begun. Have the faith of God. Be persuaded about the faithfulness of God. This is what this word is for tonight, is to persuade, keep your heart persuaded to the faithfulness of God. Amen. And the more that your heart is persuaded to the faithfulness of God, the more you find yourself endued with strength and comfort of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Second Timothy 2.13 Even if we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. It's who He is. Right? We're talking about hiding in the faithfulness of our Father and receiving strength and comfort to seize what is already ours in Christ. Right? So every doubt is removed. The fear of death is removed. God doesn't want us to reign, right? For fear, the fear of death to reign over. You know what he's called us to do? He's called us to reign in life through Jesus Christ. And we talked about this before, but a lot of Christians are listening or hearing a gospel about sinners in the hands of an angry God. Right? And about how he had to send Jesus to relieve him from his anger. So now we're relieved because God's relieved. I'm righteous. God's relieved. I'm relieved. But how many know being filled with relief is not being filled with life? And so the gospel, the true gospel, right, of Jesus Christ, and knowing that, that he has delivered us from death into life, from darkness to life, and he has promised us the gift of immortality of life, is the gospel. When your heart's persuaded to believe it will cause something to happen in your life, you will begin to actually go from a place of just relief to a place of reigning in life, like many of these early Christians did. You know, the ones that were beaten and rejoiced. What were they doing? They were reigning in life. I mean, you don't do that just having been filled with relief. I mean, most would say, I'm out of here. I'm done with this Christian stuff. And how I many you know a lot of people have quit? Because they haven't heard the right gospel. Right? So when the storms come and the waves come, they go, oh, forget it. I'm gone. How I many you know Jesus was reigning in life when he walked this earth? And that was his authority. He didn't take his authority. He walked in authority. Because he knew where his life was. And he knew the faithfulness of the Father. Right? So everywhere he went, he was, he was reigning in life, walking in authority over death. Had no fear of death. So when he's in a boat, and the waves are crashing, and the boat's about to sink, where's Jesus? He's asleep on a pillow. Right? And the, and the disciples said, what do they say? The Christians that are full of relief. Don't you care that we're perishing? When things don't go right in our country, don't you care that we're perishing? I mean, you know, we are not of those who are perishing. We are not of the perishing. Jesus said that. He says, if you believe... In Jesus, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
We are not of the perishing, but we are those that reign in life. Right? So they wake Jesus up. Don't you care that we're perishing? Do something. Well, I think he did it just for their sake. But he said, peace be still to his creation. Right? And I looked up that. It does say rebuke and peace, but that word rebuke talks about holding high regard and value. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, God holds this earth and this creation in high regard and value. And he knows the chaos in it because of the fall of man. Right? He knows the trouble. And so he says, peace, be still. Just like he did with the disciples right after his resurrection when they were afraid. He says, peace, it's okay. Be still. He speaks peace to us, right? And they said this, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? And I feel like the Lord said, show me, they should have said, what manner of man is this that sleeps on a pillow? Well, we're saying, don't you care if we're perishing? <laughs> see, that's the witness of the church. That's why I see in this place today, right? Amongst you, you're receiving this word of life that's going to establish you in the comfort and the strength and the power of the Lord so that you begin to reign in life. You're being led, you're, you're being really detoxified from another gospel, right? And the gospel, it's just like, we've talked about this, relief. How many know relief is nice when you're under full condemnation? We're speaking to grace people here, right? We've been on this journey where we were under full-blown condemnation, and then we were told the message, God's not mad at you. He forgives you. And it brought great relief to our heart. I like how Greg says, it felt so nice. <laughs> It felt real nice. But what I'm, what I'm seeing is this message is so timely. The promise of life is the gospel that will cause you to reign in life. Right? So you're not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You're not being tossed to and fro by every wind and wave and storm that comes your way. And even if you are thrown in a prison cell, you can have a celebration of life. You know, Paul and Silas, they were celebrating. It wasn't like, uh, we need to praise God so we can bust out of here. The five steps to worship so you can get a breakthrough. Or a breakout. They were reigning in life. I mean, it's just like, it's these kind of things that I'm looking at and say, what were they drinking? What are they on? What are they believing? Because whatever they're believing, I want to believe that. So I can bear the fruit of what they were bearing. And all the prison doors were open. And guess what? They all stayed. Are you all with me? In fact, they, they told the jailer, come on in. It's a party. We're having a party. He says, 
What must I do to be saved? What we're speaking here, the, the Holy Spirit is showing us, this is the witness of the church. I mean, you know, people are going to say, what must I do to be saved? When they begin to see us reigning in life. Right? But it's what the Lord has shown me is there was, there was something that their hearts were persuaded about. And this is what they were persuaded about, that the promise of life and immortality of life and the faithfulness of the Father to bring forth everything He's promised. That caused them to be endued with power and strength. How many of you ever see the, for years, and, and you know, sometimes we make some things of it and whatever, but I, for years I've seen 11-11. Okay? But maybe it's like Volkswagen, once you see one, you see it. But I came across this scripture in context with this faithfulness. In Hebrew 11-11, it says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive. Though she was dead, she conceived seed, life, and bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful through promise. She saw the faithfulness of God. Amen? Her heart was fully persuaded about his faithfulness. And God is well able to bring life from that which is dead. How many know that Jesus is God's mind made up about you? And he came to display that to us. The word became flesh. The promise of life came to us. And he says, this is what's been on my heart since the foundation of the world. And I'm going to show you the way this goes down. And how did it go down? By simply Jesus trusting in the faithfulness of the Father to give him life. Oh, he had a chance to take authority and save his own life more than once. Remember, he goes into the wilderness, right? First thing, he goes into the wilderness. Forty days, he's facing death. No food, facing death. What's the first temptation of the serpent? If you're the son of God, take authority and turn these stones into bread. I mean, you know, we hear a lot of this take authority thing. It's not always from the Lord. Just chew on it. It was the temptation of Jesus that Jesus was faced with. I mean, you know, if he would have taken his authority and turned the stones into bread, then we wouldn't be enjoying the life that we have right now. What did he do? He trusted the faithfulness of the Father to preserve his life. So he takes him, he shows him the kingdoms of the world. Right? All this I'll give to you if you'll bow down and worship me. You know what Jesus saw? We say poopy diapers.
All the kingdoms of the world are yours. I mean, you know, Jesus knew life wasn't in the things of this world. Life was in the Father. Life is not in the abundance of things we possess. We have things. We all have things. I have things. And the Lord's shown me that, guess what? You'll enjoy your things a lot more if you'll know that your life isn't in those things. It's okay for you to have things. Just never be deceived that you think your life is in having those things. Your life is in God. That's why God says, don't have any other God before me, because no other God can give you life except for our God. That's what he's saying. It was just like, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. No, he just knows there's no life in anything else. And anything you put your trust in for life is a God. It can be a person. And that's why Jesus came to show us, I'm the life. I'm the life. If you want to reign in life, if you want the life of God, the life, the promise of life that the Father always desired before the foundation of the world to share and to give us, to fill us with, then I'm that way. I mean, oh, it's either Christ for life or it's death. And I, I'm so thankful for, for this min these ministries and this word because they're really bringing us back to the right gospel. They really are. It really is about life or death, right? It's about life or, or perishing. And I love that, you know, just meditating on that, that. And God says in Psalm 103, he knows our frame, that it's dust. I mean, you know, there's a weird sense of freedom knowing and embracing the truth that your life is dust. It's not a, right? What did Jesus say? He says, you're a branch. Why did he say you're a branch? Why, did, why does God say you're a dust? Because we're created to look to God for life. We can't do anything. Even Jesus says, I can't do anything apart from the Father. Right? So to me, it takes a real weight off of you. A real weight. It's like, wow, I'm relieved. You mean I don't have to try to clothe my own self with life? I can just trust in the faithfulness of the Father to give me life. And he's faithful to do it. Are we okay? Faithfulness of the Father. In 1 John 5, 11, 13, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Thank you, Lord. Faithfulness of the Father. God wants us to be hidden in the faithfulness of the Father. To run to the faithfulness of the Father. To hide in the faithfulness of the Father. No matter what's going on, 
No matter what you, how many of you know things are going to hit you in this life? But God wants it firmly established in your heart that God is faithful. No matter what happens, no matter what's going on, God is always faithful. Amen? There's never a time he isn't faithful. And all things do work together for good for those who love God. They're called together according to his purpose. And his purpose is that you would be clothed with the immortality of life. I share one more thing here that I feel like the Lord, he just drew my attention to. In uh, Isaiah 40, 1 through 8, how are we doing on time? We're okay? When a preacher says they're closing, it means absolutely nothing. It's a lie. Isaiah 41 through 8. He says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double all, for all her sins. Double means double grace. Grace, grace, right? And then he says this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, cry out. Listen to this. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? Cry out this, all flat flesh is grass. That's the main message. All flesh is grass and all its loveliness like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades. But the word or the promise of God's life stands forever. Wow. That's good news. Yeah, we, we're dust, we're branch, we're grass, but guess what? We got the word of life. And that promise of life is the spirit of life is in us. And it says, you know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. And there ain't no grave going to hold your body down. That's what I'm saying. Ain't no grave going to hold your body down. You're going to get up, get up out of the grave. All our loved ones, amen, that have died in Christ, they're going to get up out of the ground. And this life is just like a vapor. You know who, who that refers to is John, right? A uh, voice of one crying in the wilderness. And this is, and I'm going to close with this, which means something, because I'm really going to... They, remember they said his name will be John.
His name will be John. And some tried to argue with him and say, well, nobody's name is John in your family. And the, it was Zach, Zacharias that was mute, that couldn't say anything because he was thinking stuff he shouldn't be thinking and God didn't want him to say it. Say, give, give me a tablet. Give me a tablet. And he wrote on the tablet, his name is John. He learned a lesson. <laughs> and we talk, this is awesome because we've been talking about names, right? God calls you by name. It's the name that God gave. And I looked up the name, and many of you know this, but the name John means Jehovah is a gracious giver. Jehovah is a gracious giver. He's faithful. He's a good, good father. He's a gracious giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. Amen. That's it.